Welcome to Your Live Well, the podcast series bringing you expert-led advice, thoughts and opinions from across the breadth of well-being and from some of the amazing contributors featured at Live Well London 2020. In this episode, we're discussing how to stay connected and social when not drinking. And our panel have been there and done just that. Club Soda's Laura Willoughby probes a group of mindful drinkers who think they have it sussed. Meet Radio 2 presenter Janie Lee Grace, Stephanie Chivers from Women Who Don't Drink, Millie Gooch, founder of Sober Girl Society, and Scott Pearson, a.k.a. The Boy Who Drank Too. We hope it inspires your summer socials. There's a panel of experts here about mindful drinking. I'm going to get them to introduce themselves. Um, um, themselves. Uh, let's start with Scott. Scott, who are you? Because <laughs> well, you actually don't. Uh, Scott hasn't got a bio on the thing, so you're you're, no, you're rebranded this I'm week. You are on. Yeah, I'm Scott. I'm uh, approaching thirty. Um, and I've been sober for just nearly 18 months um, and yeah, I, I go under the brand name of Proud and Sober now so focusing on um, LGBT, QI people in sobriety and uh, kind of creating networks so that um, uh, because it's not very uh, commonly discussed in the LGBT community and um, there's actually quite a lot of research that suggests that um, we are more prone to be uh, suffering with addiction or problems about the world drugs so um, yeah, my focus is massively I'm Jenny Lee Grace. I've been sober for just over two years, two years, nearly three months. And I did dry January a couple of years ago and never looked back. Um, I uh, am a presenter and also run a website on holistic living. So everything to do with sort of living without chemicals. And therein lies the irony because I was talking about everything organic and natural and then pouring wine on my head. Um, I've now found the missing link. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, So uh, I now um, am really passionate about sharing the the message that life is better without alcohol. So I have a podcast called Alcohol Free Life. which is a weekly podcast and I run a membership uh, kind of group called the Sober Club where we focus on what's next. 
So it's for the sober curious or people who want to get sober or, or who already are and want to look at health and well-being and mindfulness and everything else. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I, I mean, we know now, don't we, that it, a lot of it, it's all about the mindset, it's all about the perception, and there is, as you say, that, that sort of sense that, that it's, it's the thought of that chilled glass of, of Sauvignon or whatever it is for you, it's the thought of that that makes you immediately go, ah, before you've even tasted it. And what I found really interesting when I, when I stopped was... I hadn't realized just how much of a depressant alcohol actually is. I had thought it was de-stressing me and it was making me feel more chilled and relaxed, but actually it's a depressant. And when I realized how my anxiety lessened, 
I was I was absolutely amazed that I felt so so less anxious that there wasn't as much de-stressing needed. If you see what I mean? Um, but uh, but but yes, it is all about that mindset. So it's it's about the associations. And as Millie says, if you've got something else that lifts your spirits, then spirits <laughs> to use that phrase, then um, it's it's so much better to do that without ending up creating more anxiety for yourself. I guess that anxiety point is really interesting because when you're drinking, you do feel stressed. It does, that's how it makes you feel. Um, and maybe in that first glass it does. But then ultimately, if you carry on drinking throughout the evening and do that in response to stress every single time, you are never learning to deal with stress. And so overall, your resilience is reduced. Yeah. And your, but your anxiety is still high because you've never done anything to deal with those underlying anxieties. Mm. So it is about taking that time to either make a different drink or even to do something different like we're learning here today around yoga and to start bringing some of that in your life. Um, what about you in terms of the, it, that, that longer term effect of you seeing people that you work with who, who think that stress is the reason why they drink? I think there's lots of reasons why we drink. So when people come to me for many different reasons, it might be that they're concerned about their health, it might be that they've got a really big problem, but it's a very individual thing and we basically work with people to induce them or take a break and then we look at what's going on. And sometimes people stop and their life just really improves. It's like a magic pattern, like you said, in dry January and never looked back and it's amazing. Quite a few people say that. But then other people stop and actually then they have to figure out, well, how do I live life? How do I cope with stress? Oh, my job's not actually working. Oh, my relationship's really difficult. And what things do you have to put in place? And that's where the support comes in. When I stopped, my life was really difficult and it was really difficult for years. So I'm not one of these people that stopped and it was like, yay, I'm alcohol free and life's amazing. It wasn't like that for a long time. So I had to learn how to put lots and lots of different stuff in place to help me. And it wasn't an option for me to drink. I'd made the decision, I wasn't going to drink, I'd hit a big rock bottom, so it was like, I'm not gonna drink no matter what. So when something bad happened that impacted on me emotionally, I had to use one of my other options. So go for a friend, listen to music, phone a friend, yoga, meditation. We have lots of options, you just need to learn how to do them. And they do work. So it's really interesting when you actually just literally take alcohol off the table, literally, but you have to put other stuff in place and it does work. Scott, did you ever do what I did, which was um, say you had a stressful day, but really in comparison, it wasn't that stressful a day, but it gave you the excuse to have a drink? Yeah, for me, there was, there was always an excuse for wine. That was just every single day. Uh, there was, I didn't need to worry about what had happened. It was regardless of whether it was good, bad, or stressful. I was going to have something wrong with you at the end of the day. But I think to Stephanie's point for me, it's been massively about changing my day and what my day contains. So for me, like I go to the gym four times a week now, whereas before I would never get there because of everything I'm over. I choose to put better foods in my body because actually I care about what I feel like and I know that I get a better relationship with myself if I've got good food and kind of the gym and stuff is a good thing for me as well. So, um, and then meditation as well. So I think it's, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's easy by any stretch of the imagination because that initial phase for me at 28 years old to realise that actually it was better for me to not be drinking and taking drugs was, it was quite difficult. It's not easy. And to be that age and realise that you to do that for yourself is the biggest act of self-love that you could possibly give yourself. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it was easy. 
And so yeah, I've just like shifted to stuff that I do in my day now, so that it's not productive. But for all of you, it wasn't easy, this living life in high definition, which is no. what I call it. Mm. Um, I had the same issue. But it has it been worth it? 100%. Yeah. 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 So it's worth that investment in yourself yeah. Yeah, and learning to deal with stress. Yeah. Yeah, I desperately wish I'd done it sooner. <laughs> they say no regrets, but I go, yeah, if only I'd been that age. Wow. That's brilliant. So stress is one of those really big myths that we have, the societal myths about alcohol um, uh, making stress better. But there are ways to do that and there are ways to come through that. Um, the other is about um, that socialising thing. And I often think... Socialising sober is, is why people often don't even want to try to begin with. Mm. Um, uh, uh, which is interesting because actually we do most of our drinking at home. Um, so, um, so the fact that we see socialising as a big barrier is really interesting. And that's because it's, it's, you know, socialising is a value to us. We meet other people. How did you deal with socialising sober? Who, who went clubbing sober very early on? Yeah. Go on, Emily. <laughs> Tell us about yeah. clubbing sober. I, I'm quite like... I was quite stubborn when I, I gave up drinking, so I told my friends I was giving up, and they didn't believe me, which made me even more stubborn. So the first week of my sobriety, I decided I was going to go out for my friend's birthday, and I went out till 4 a.m. in Shoreditch and then ended up in a club shop, which is not a place that you want to be so bad for 4 a.m. But actually, and I don't recommend this for everyone, throwing myself in a deep and proved to be quite early on that I could navigate other things sober. So I was like, oh, well, I've done it now. And it wasn't actually that scary. I think sometimes when you put it off, because I know with Scott, he put it off for a while, and now I'm just like, let's come on, I'm going to take you out, give me no trouble, and he's like, let's talk to I think that's because the shit dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The other point actually got that speech. He was like, you shouldn't worry, because you're a shit dancer when you were coming as well. It was like, normally I'd be stuck up in, and you're like, dad dance. And the worst thing is you're going to remember it the next day. <laughs> but, yeah, doing it quite early on was really good because I think you'd kind of build it up in your head that it was going to be really, really terrifying. But I just went out and did it and was like, I mean, it wasn't the best night ever, but I've done it now so that I can do other things. So, and, and what about you guys? What was so... How well, do you feel socialising so much the first time? I, I, I did that thing that I would not recommend, which is I didn't actually tell anyone I'd stopped drinking. I felt such a sense of shame and guilt, um, which I now think is bizarre, but I know it's actually quite common, that I didn't come out to anyone. Actually, I told no one at all other than Claire Pooley, who wrote Sober Diaries. <laughs> um, and so uh, I had this kind of secret with myself. Now, in a way... I regret that, but in another way, I kind of look back and think, well, that actually helped me because it showed me that it's perfectly possible to live all every bit of your life without drinking and nobody, nobody else noticed, which is incredible when I think about it now. But I just simply reframed everything. So I carried on doing everything. I went to every, every event, every party, whatever it was. And when people put wine in my hand, I just said, oh, you know, thanks, I'll have a water. And I make, did not make a big deal of it at all because I wasn't telling anyone. I mean, internally it was agony obviously and I was hated the fact that you go to an event even a health event and all there was was red wine white wine champagne beer not even water at one event I went to um, absolutely unbelievable so yeah internally I had a lot of stuff going on but I I, j I did literally get on with it and it got easier so it's not always the best thing to sort of hide away testing yourself is quite important well only if you've made a plan 
if you've made a plan, because I think if you haven't made a plan, it is very likely that you will uh, rock up somewhere and someone will say, well, we'll just have one. And then, you know, the resolve goes. So I think, you know, I, I now help try and help people, encourage people to make a really definite plan. Of course, it's so much easier now. There's so many amazing alcohol-free drinks. Um, and if there isn't, then take your own or, as you say, pimp your drink or, yeah. or, or whatever. <laughs> exactly. And then you can pimp your own tonic, will you? It's just got it's just got me through a weekend in Europe. Thank you very much, Sea Arch. Yeah, so, <laughs> Literally. Yeah, cool. and, and do you advocate that that planning? I mean, even if you're looking to moderate, having a plan is really important because the minute you're confronted with anything that's a trigger, it can really throw you off balance. So, what sort of planning? I think there's a few things, isn't there, about socialising without alcohol. The first one is that you actually do socialise with people all the time. So your thing about you know, making it something big in your head, that's really common. So I meet people all the time that aren't doing it and got fear of missing out and um, really quite socially isolated, which is quite sad. They're not drinking, but they're just bored and lonely and life isn't working for them. But it's because they've built it up in their head into this big thing, and actually it's not about that at all. We're all humans and we're all interacting all the time. And I really encourage people to just every day, you know, smile and talk to people, you know, at work, dog walk, school gate, just like interact with your fellow humans. So then you start building up the, oh, we're all here and it's okay and we can support each other. So that's on a really sort of, you know, starter sort of gentle level. The other bit is I didn't act, I changed how I socialised. So my background was real party, you know, all my friends all the time. So I didn't actually put myself in that position for quite a long time. But I still socialised. So because it was so important for me to stop drinking, I didn't go into those environments unless I had to, obviously I had to sometimes. But I still went out and socialised. So I went dancing a lot. I'd go to party dancing or salsa or jive or things like that where alcohol wasn't a thing. And there were so many places where you can go and be with people where alcohol isn't a they mm. practice and hang out with your fellow humans. Yeah, fun. Yeah. Who, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> who knew? Amazing that meeting new people and, and being uh, and connecting with other people is one of the most amazing things we can yeah. do, right? And somehow in Britain we've managed to boil it all down to it so you can only do when you're mm. half pissed. Mm. It's yeah. mad, isn't it? When yeah. actually meeting other people is amazing. Yeah. And and so you you self isolated a bit. Um, but you wouldn't have been able to keep that up forever, right? No, and I think what was so important for me was connection with other sober people. So mm. I think regardless of whether you're planning on moderating or cutting down, you really need to make sure that you've got other people that understand how this feels and don't underestimate the power of that. And I think that we met like through Instagram. And we met, and then, yeah, we went out for a night out literally after something for a couple of hours and then been our best friends ever since and so we've been able to kind of go on this journey together and I don't think that you can underestimate that at all and um, we both said like how powerful that is for both of us um, and yeah I just think that it's it, that connection is really important but ironically behind the scenes my social anxiety is getting worse and worse and worse um, and it's only really been since I've been working with a therapist to kind of break some of that stuff down I mean you wouldn't know it obviously I'm sat here which is obviously um, but yeah yeah but it's allowed you to deal with some of the other issues right yeah. 
Yeah, because for so long I'd only ever known how to socialise with alcohol that I'd actually lost the ability to do it with, uh, sorry, without. Mm. So it was just like one of those things where I just didn't know how to do it. Well, I think... So, like relearn that behaviour. Just, I remember when I interviewed Scott for my podcast, and what, you know, you said something that was so powerful because you said, uh, I think you, you started drinking at 14 or something. Yeah. And, and so, and it was the first time I'd realised hold on a minute so for some people they've 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 never actually dealt with this big life stuff they've never had sober sex they've never had any of the kind of big life experiences sober that was the first time i realized it and i thought that was yeah. that was so powerful how come you didn't start drinking with i know but funny do you know what i think i mean i did have the odd drink but i actually didn't like it i'm really grateful for that i actually didn't like it so i didn't actually sort of force myself till i was a bit older but i do think this this is such an important point because it's really important to stress that that because you are sober doesn't mean that life might not still be shit or that you might have stuff that you have to address um and and that can feel really scary i think for a lot of people because they they kind of realize oh hold on so this stuff that i've been numbing is going to come up for me and 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 it probably is but as i'm sure you you'll say the the amazing thing is that you feel so much more resilient to be able to look at it and I mean, it's, it's interesting that you may need to um, avoid some situations to begin with that you might find that are triggering, but that doesn't have to be forever. So sometimes people go, oh no, I'm gonna have to never go out and drink again. Well, you may want to avoid some situations to begin with, but it, 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 does, it just, because you're doing that now, it doesn't mean that's gonna be the rest of your life. Um, for me, what was interesting is that um, I did feel a bit awkward without a drink in my hand at parties for a while, and I didn't think I was as witty and funny as I was with a drink. And then suddenly, somehow, six months in, something clicked. And I felt like I always felt when I was at a party. And there's something about practicing a new behavior in a familiar setting to then feel uh, feel your way and, and feel and reconnect with who you are again and realize that you are all of those things. Uh, you are witty, you are funny, you are great people to be with. And so don't hide from socializing. It just might feel awkward for a short while until you get into a room, right? So. So don't, don't be frightened. I also have to admit that there are things um, that you might have thought were the fault of drinking that turn out to be you all along. <laughs> <laughs> so memory, you're sleeping with inappropriate people. <laughs> what things about you, Scott? I'm just going to ruin you and have a drink. Uh, memory. Just kind of dramatizing everything. I used to think that was the booze, but no, I still do it. Yeah, so you, you just have to learn to live with yourself. Okay, so um, have any of you, did any of you have any big pressure from friends to drink? Because this is the other one, which is it, it doesn't take much from somebody that you care about to ask you, uh, oh, go on, just have a drink. How, how do you deal with that situation? So that was uh, quite a big thing for me. So when I, when I hit my rock bottom and made the decision I'm not going to drink or take drugs, that's it, I've got to sort myself out. I told all my friends straight away, and these are all people that I've partied with for years, and they just laughed. They were like, yeah, right, so there you go, put a drink in front of me, buy a Coke, stuff like that. I was like, <laughs> So I was quite, I was just persistent. I was incredibly determined. And that went on, off and on, quite a long time, even till like three years ago. So bear in mind, it's been 15 years I put all that talent drunk, you know, with a random at all. And it was my best friend, he literally was sat on top of me, we were at a Liverpool disco festival, which is fantastic, right? um, And he sat on top of me, he's like, so how long have you been doing this not drinking thing for then, Steph? But it's been a long time now. 
Isn't it about time you had a drink? And he was like really forceful. So I was just like, right, I'm done with this, get off me. If you don't get off me, I'm gonna leave and I'm not gonna talk to you. But everybody had to say, she's serious now, we were alone. But the thing is, my friends could say whatever they wanted to. I knew what I wanted to do with my own mind. And I know that they still love me, they might say that. And the reason why I know that is because I was one of the worst when we were out, when we were kids. I'd be like, oh, go on, let's do that, let's do this. And I look back now and I cringe and I think, oh my God, that's awful. But I know it didn't mean anything, it's just like in the moment. So when they're doing it, they still love me, it's just them, they don't get it, it's fine. And actually, interestingly, most of my close friendship group are now alcohol free, so it's catching. What about you guys? Because being in, in, you know, your early thirties and under is it's a difficult stage to be not drinking to make that decision. I think what I realised is actually that the person who was working peer pressuring me was myself. <laughs> I think like a lot of it was actually in my head. Like, they, my friends would say, "Oh, go on, just have one," and then I'd sort of say, "No," and then I would continue giving reasons as to why I didn't want to when they had long since stopped trying to get me to do it. And I think. Like my worry was in like new situations like if I was going to like work drinks, so I was like, oh my god, they're gonna ask me to drink and then they're gonna ask me why I don't drink and really no one even said anything. Like I built up a lot of people I think in my head. Mm. It was a me. I think a lot of the people in my life had seen like for a couple of years I kept saying to people, I think I need to be sober, I'm just not really sure how to do that yet. And over time, I think I've mentioned it so much, by the time it got to the point that I actually bought the plug and decided to it's time to go sober, most people have kind of got their head that's not to say that some of my relationships haven't changed. Like my best friend Jack, our entire relationship was founded on being unreachable. Like that's how we met. And so we've had to kind of recalibrate a little bit and kind of understand what actually works for us. And actually, we can still go to the Spice Girls together and he can get hideously drunk and I can be sober, and that's fine. Um, but I you think. You can afford the ticket now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's just um, it's about having that strength of character. And I think to your point earlier about sometimes avoiding some situations, I did do that. And I think that sometimes you do need to do that just to kind of pull away and remember why you're doing this and then reinsert yourself back into that environment again. As when you feel a lot stronger and you've got yourself sorted. Mm. Um, because if you go in with a weak mindset and you're not really sure and you're down on yourself, then you're more likely to. Is it because the minute you go, well, you know, I was thinking of not drinking, the minute you put mm. some doubt into your voice, people jump in on that? Yeah, you can just have one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do. Um, I do think, though, on this, that sometimes it can be family as well that can um, put pressure on you. And there's been some um, members in our sober club who've had really very tricky situations with family members who've actually sort of ghosted them completely and, and put together, you know, events where they're not invited because they're not drinking. I mean, tremendously hurtful. Um, and, and, and those kind of things are really difficult to navigate. When, when friends cut you off, literally cut you you off because they've, they've they decide not to invite you to something because their assumption is that you're no longer fun um it can be really difficult and i think often we have to sort of look at this and say well is it that what i'm doing is shining a light on how they're really feeling about themselves um because ultimately i know it sounds like a bit of a naff phrase but if if your friends are really not interested in you unless you're drinking they, they really aren't going to be the best friends i often find that if um, friends really care about you being direct with them about the behavior yeah and yeah i am doing this it would really help me if, if yeah. the pressure to have a drink
And if you've got health goal, I'd love to help you in return. Yeah. Yeah. And the more specific, because it's very hard to, to not say, you know, to ignore a friend who's given you a very specific request. Yeah. Um, so you can do that. The other thing is, is if you're moderating, people often go, but you drank on Friday. Why aren't you drinking on Monday when you're out with me? You drank with other friends and not with me. And they see that as a bit of a, as a, well, you know, as a bit of a slur to your friendship. And so again, the more confident you are, I'd say, look, I have made a decision for my health. I am not drinking on Monday, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I really want to keep that very special for me. Let's find other things to do. But, you know, it doesn't matter that I did drink on Friday. This is my moderation plan and I need your help to stick to it. So, so again, help be more definite about the behaviour you need from people. And especially family, you know, you know, can even say, if you really love me, you support me in doing this. Yeah, that's <laughs> Absolutely. Um, has anyone got any questions? Cool. Hi, um, I find that when you're in a social situation, you're going to somebody's house, for example, for a meal, generally you would be polite and take maybe a bottle of wine or some beers. If you're, what do you take? Like, you still want to bring something to the party, if you see what I mean, but what would you suggest bringing that isn't going to say, like, I bring you something non alcoholic just I don't. I don't take alcohol to my friend's house. No. Um, that might seem like I'm being rude or difficult, but um, I used to run alcohol treatment services. I'm very clear about what alcohol is, and I love my friends, so I'm not going to take alcohol around to their house. What do you take? What do I take? Me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not I take good drinks. I am enough. I am enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I take nice drinks yeah. or I'll take food or yeah. chocolate. Um, for instance, it was Father's Day and I went round to a friend's house and I bought him a massive great big side of beans. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. it means to be alcohol. is not everything. There are uh, other options. Mm-hmm. You can give people presents that aren't yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And for Mother's Day, yeah. you don't have to buy your mother an apron that says, um, why, Mummy's little helper on yeah. it. I, yeah. Yeah. I, actually, I actually do take drinks, but I, I, not alcoholic drinks. I take um, really, really, really lovely alcohol-free drinks and usually find that people end up, you know, they kind of look at it and now the bottles look beautiful. I mean, look at the Sea Arch bottle. It's a beautiful gift. Um, and there's some amazing alcohol-free fizz, um, which is a really lovely gift and I usually find that they the drinkers end up wanting the the alcohol free so if you've taken some yeah take extra that was a tip Laura taught me early on definitely have extra because everyone will want to tuck into yours and say what's your what's your snacks dessert yeah entertainment so I'm well known for my quizzes (laughs) that's great you are fun and so whether it's like articulate or something you put together I would entertainment yeah I think, yeah, all of the above, just uh, flowers, chocolates, whatever, I think it, it doesn't need to be food. I've got, I think, I'm a five-year-old half now, anyway, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, it's just anything that's not food. <laughs> well, like, for me, it's like, there's some, like, really amazing tonics, and sometimes I'll bring really nice mixes, and I'll be like, feel free to put your alcohol in there, and I'm going to put my alcohol-free stuff in there. And the important thing is, is if, if you drink quite a lot, which I did, um, then um, you wouldn't have noticed that other people who are drinking are probably moderating um, during points of the evening. Apparently, that happens. Um, <laughs> um, so, actually, not drinking alcohol solidly for every drink. So actually a really good alcohol free drink goes down really well for everybody. Um, and you'll find that people will be really interested and really curious. And you're taking something new that they've never discovered before, which I think is really important. I've noticed as well that like the more people that I interact with and find out about me being sober, the 
those people are leaning more into being sober curious. So like, no jokes, I've got a lot of my best friend's brothers are secretly all sober and she doesn't even know that he's sober yet. He's talked to me before he's told anyone else. And that's purely because he's seen how my life has changed. And I mean, he wasn't a heavy drinker, it's just that he's got some. And he wants to be the best dad that he can be. And that's his reason for being sober. And I think that everyone has their, has their rights to be. And the more and more people that I interact with and, and can see that I've done it, I want to be the worst. Like, if, if, I, if I can do it, that is acceptable to anyone. Anyone else got a question? What are the reasons you'd say that someone wants to give up like casual drinking? Just drinking. Drinking. Yeah. Well, I, sorry, do you want to go first? You can go, Joe. Go. I was going, sorry. Um, I, I think the question I, I ask is, to ask yourself, would you, would you think your life might be better physically and emotionally without drinking? Is there a possibility? And for most people, if, if drinking is any kind of a thing, they would go, well, probably actually, yeah, because um, they're either waking up at 3 a.m. as I was feeling terrible or it's impacting some area of their life or they've got anxiety or they're, they weigh more than they want to or whatever it is for you. So I think if you ask, start with that question, if the answer to that is yes, then it has to be worth giving it a shot. If the answer is no, I'm completely 100% happy, then probably isn't any point, no. <laughs> So I met that guy, sounds like he wasn't like that, I'm sat with friends, and she was on a date actually. And so I was chatting to him, he was asking me questions about what I did, and I told him, and he always gets on some conversation with alcohol. And he said, oh, well, I, I drink a couple of pints a night. What do you think about that? You know, it was a really random question. I said, well, are you okay with that? And he said, yeah. He said, but is that okay? And I said, well, from an alcohol specialist perspective, I would say to you, you're using a highly addictive harmful substance every day. Is that okay? Would you take heroin every day? Would you smoke cannabis every day? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay, then we'll maybe have some alcohol three days. I think a couple of pints is fine. You feel okay, but I would say to you, have some alcohol three days. And interestingly, he's got a way of pondered on that, and he's actually asked if he can have a conversation with me. Not that he's got a problem, or he's having any problems, but it's just like, oh, okay, he's found that interesting. Yeah, I think it, 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 it's very individual and I think that yeah, we're often told a lot about all the alcohol harms and I bet you in this room you all know what they are, they're very well known, but we often don't um, understand what the positives could be. Yeah. And so when we were, when we interviewed Chris Williamson at the festival, he talked about using changing his drinking as a productivity tool, he wants to get more shit done this year. And I can tell you, you get a load more done if you're um, it's amazing how much time it frees up and how much energy it gives you. And so maybe not focusing on is uh, should I or should I not be drinking? Um, you know, am I doing the guidelines or whatever? But saying, well, what is it I want to achieve with my life going forward? And does alcohol fit into this? And where could alcohol, maybe taking some alcohol out of my diet, help me do those other things I want to do? So, you know, many of you here may have gone to the yoga sessions today. Could it improve your yoga sessions and your ability to get up and do Mysore at 6 a.m. or whatever time it is they do Mysore? Um, it, you know, would that improve your ability to do that and to give yourself to that practice if you were to cut out a few days of drinking? And so, it's, and then actually, if you root it in what you want for your life, you're more likely to succeed 
rather than going, I should do something because I, I'm told I should cut down my drinking, rather than I want to change my drink because I've got these other priorities in my life. Yeah, I think that um, for me, you get one shot at life, right? And if you feel like by t- taking alcohol out, your life is going to be better. And I can tell you from my own experience, my life is 100% better in all aspects. Then, like Jane said, just give it a shot. Like, it's not like once you've made a decision, you can't do any harm. Yeah, like, it's worst great. case scenario, you go, do you know what? Actually, I actually prefer to have a drink in my life. And that's fine. If that's what works for you, like, uh, like I think. Kind of in terms of my dating and stuff like that, some people find it really difficult because they think that I'm going to have a problem with drinking. And it's like, no, if you're totally happy with your relationship with alcohol, then you have fun, it's your life. But for me, this is the best person that I can possibly be by not having alcohol in my life. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a horribly cliche term now, but like living your best life, I think if you think, is this stopping me from living my best life, that, I mean, that's the question I ask myself because my drinking, I think, was slightly different to everyone Bottle of wine every night for the next 10 years, so many. 
but the impact on us will be very, very different. You know, I sat in front of 80 year old women that have been drinking two bottles of wine a day and smoking at 25, and they're fine, thank you very much. Yeah, I've had 25 year old women die from liver disease drinking far less than I ever drank. So it's a very, very individual thing. One of the things that we can say for sure is that alcohol will impact on your health at some point, but we don't know when. And that actually, if you're concerned about your health, it's to reduce your drinking. But I would really, um, I've got a real concern about like people come to me and they say, oh, my mum and dad drank, so therefore that means I will. No. So that doesn't mean that at all, because I've sat, I mean, an apple tree says to get thousands of people through the door, so it's like the best research project in the world. And I've seen people from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds. There is no common theme. Alcohol does not discriminate. It's a highly addictive substance. It's everyone and anyone. Your upbringing is not an indicator. It might be more of a risk, but that doesn't mean anything, yeah? And in fact, the biggest drinkers in the UK are men over 55 on high incomes. So even, you know, in other countries, it's people with lower incomes who drink most. But for us, it's a sign of wealth, along with many other things that we've given alcohol a really important status symbol in our society for. So it shows you how much is actually around learned behaviour mm-hmm. um, and how much the fact that alcohol is such a societal norm. You know, if you think about it, we've been taught that alcohol is the answer to being lonely, to stress, to being happy, to um, to nearly every emotion that you could possibly imagine, and it's the only way to socialise. It's actually quite debilitating the way that we've been brought up in this country with alcohol as being everything. So, has anyone else got a question you want to ask the panel? Cool. Well, I'm going to just um, ask um, the panel um, to, to sum up on, on what you think are, are the top tips for people who are considering changing their drinking at the minute, and I'll come back to you about that in a moment. But I guess the one thing I'd want to say to all is, is it's not going to do you any harm to take a month off. Um, you will learn a lot. I personally think three months is the charm. You'll get to feel very much um, uh, the benefits of the change of your energy and everything at the end of three months. At the end of three months, I was volunteering on the Olympics. I went into that Olympic park. I was a bloody athlete by three months. I was, I want that feeling for you all. It was so amazing. So three months of age, it's not going to do you any harm, right? You're not, so, so it's definitely worth giving it a try. And there's loads of people out there that can support you. And along with all of our podcasts and community and workshops and our book, there's, there's lots of help and then there's all Jamie's podcasts and then you can follow Millie and Scott on Instagram and there's One Year No Beer and, and you are still waving on. <laughs> but you know, there's, there's suddenly something has changed in society. We're now beginning to have an honest and really exciting conversation about this. So do lean on other people and get some help and learn from others. Um, so what was the question I asked? Top tips. Top tips, that was it. Stop, top tip. Mine would be don't do it alone, regardless of what shape or format it is. So whether it's you do it with a friend or you find other people on Instagram or Twitter or whatever that is, just make sure you've got someone else that can either understand or can learn with you and you can go through this together, regardless of how long you've had on with it. So hang out with Scott. That's the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah. Millie. Um, right, like a little kind of sober toolkit, I would say, because well, it's quite a lot like just, you know, a really good alcohol-free drink, a great playlist that you can stick on. Chocolate. Chocolate, yeah. Wine, uh, kind of chocolate. Oh yeah, we can talk about sugar breaks. 
Yeah. You get them. Just go with them. Stuff that Haribo in your face. You don't should relate to is the answer to them. I'm so much all about predicting candle with your spot and bougie. That's Cool. Educate yourself with the facts. That's one of my biggest things. So currently, I would say the best of doing that to this book, Drink It's New. It's very scientific, medical research heavy, so it's not live reading. But if you're interested in facts, I can guarantee that pretty much most of what in this book corresponds to what we see out there in the real world. And then you can make an informed choice. It's entirely up to you. Yeah, and I would add to that, I think that's fantastic advice, and I would add to that at the same time, immerse yourself in the inspiration, because I think knowing the facts is amazing. Um, sometimes, though, we kind of white knuckle it, so we know that we shouldn't drink, and then we read all of these facts about how bad alcohol is for us, but we haven't caught sight of how amazing life could be. So the thing that changed it for me the last time was, was that I suddenly caught sight that life could be better and that isn't anything I'd contemplated before. So it wasn't only that I got the facts, it was that I got immersed in the inspiration. So I think podcasts and books and you know Instagram and, and organizations like Club Soda are really, really important so that you can be inspired by people who are just like you, who've been there, done it, and actually, as Scott said earlier, everything in their life is better. Everything. Yeah, absolutely. And and definitely planning, planning, planning your evening, planning for those obstacles. And then if you do laps, don't don't just hit the pocket button and say, Oh, that's it, I'm a failure. It's a it's a learning journey. So whether you're moderating or going alcohol free, learn from that experience and pick up again and don't see the fact that you went out and hammered it on a Friday night and you hadn't planned to as a failure because actually you're learning loads. And it's it's not a linear journey, so um, go at, go your pace and, and learn as you go along. Um, can I thank you all for your time today? More importantly, is I think we're going to be hanging around to have service sounds. If any of you want to come and speak to anybody here, you, there's there's time for you to collect and ask more questions if you want to do that on a one-to-one -one basis. But otherwise, I'd like to thank you all. I'd like to thank you all for being an amazing audience. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Your Live Well. You can join us for more episodes and find out about future Live Well events at livewelllondon.com. To find out more about Club Soda and the mindful drinking movement, go to joinclubsoda.com. For now, take care, live well, and we will see you next time. <laughs>